This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You are listening to Rum Buncher Radio, and maybe you're watching this week as we join you for the first time on YouTube. Trey Anity joined with Nick Caparoso and Marty Leap. This is the opening day special 2021. Thanks so much, everybody, for being here. We love doing these specials. Don't get to do them enough, but it seems like opening day has really come up on a script, gentlemen. What are your thoughts? This is an exciting time. This is, you know, maybe next to Christmas. I don't know, your birthday, whatever. This is probably the most exciting day of the entire year. Uh, what are you guys' thoughts on opening day 2021 as we're now, you know, less than 12 hours away? Yeah, it's exciting. Um, you know, just the fact that everything is starting on time. You know, we talked so much last year mm-hmm. during our podcast shows about the potential season and start date and everything. And the fact that spring training went as smoothly as anyone probably could have hoped uh, in terms of COVID, you know, the season starting on time. It's like you said, it's a it's great day uh, for baseball and sports uh, across the nation for sure. Yeah, I've I've long been a believer that opening day should just be a federal holiday every year. I mean, like, honestly, like, let's be honest, most of you watching this and listening to this are probably more excited for today than you are for Easter this weekend anyway. So, like, let's just go ahead and make a federal holiday already. But no, like Nick said, it's great to be starting on time. It's great that as of now, the plan is 162 games. Um, spring training went smoother than anyone probably could have possibly hoped for. And, you know, that's, I'm just happy to have baseball and it's just that fans back in the seats. And it's just, I know we've talked about this a lot on the podcast in the last year or so, but, you know, it's just another one of those kind of steps back towards normalcy and back towards the life that we all know you know, having baseball back, having a full season, starting on time, fans being at the games, all of these things. Yeah, you know, it really did seem pretty normal this spring. I mean, it was limited capacity to an extent. We'll see that as we return to the regular season now. You know, I think 30% in some ballparks kind of varies where you are, but it really is returning to normal. Pirates open up at Wrigley Field uh, later on this afternoon. What are some obstacles, some challenges to opening at Wrigley Field? We've had some great memories there on opening day, obviously. We'll get into that here in a second. Um, but what do you, you know, what excites you guys about getting to open up on the road against the Chicago Cubs? I know off the bat, it's supposed to be like mid to upper 30s temperature wise there. So that's definitely a huge concern. Um, 
like you said, for challenges, especially in Chicago with wind, you know how that can get kind of uh, gross there. So we'll see how that works out for the Pirates. But uh, go ahead, Marty. I just wanted to throw that little nugget about the weather. I saw that today. Not happy about it. Yeah, no, actually, that was the same thing I was going to kick off with is the weather. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, like you said, at Wrigley Field with the winds, you, that, that can impact the game as much as anything. And, you know, with the Pirates, with Chad Cool on the mound, who's a guy who, you know, has had some issues with the home run ball in the past. So we'll see what happens. But, I mean, anytime you can open a Wrigley Field, you know, it's always fun to open against the division rival, you know, the Cubs, the Cardinals, whoever it might be. So it, it'll be fun to be at Wrigley Field. And, you know, I know Derek Shelton – is excited for it. He's from the Chicago area. He was posting about that on social media earlier tonight. So I'm sure that'll be a cool experience for him too. You know, his second opening day as pirate manager and his kind of first real opening day with all the glitz and the glamour and the ceremony fans, all that being back in his, what would be his hometown of his hometown team of Chicago with the Cubs. Yeah, it's a cool deal. And, you know, it really will be his, his true opening first opening day with the pirates uh you know I, I don't think that 60 game season really counts in a lot of ways but this opening day is going to mean a lot more to Derek shelton they open up at chicago let's talk about some of our favorite opening day memories a little bit before we get into the nitty-gritty of this matchup and everything else as we kind of preview this season throughout the episode what's your guys favorite opening day memory i'll get it started Mine's a little bit more recent it's gonna be the neil walker game it was at wrigley field back in 2011 i believe uh, the Pirates were down three to one, maybe fifth or sixth inning, bases loaded. Ryan Dempster was on the mound, and Neil Walker just pulled one into the center field seats there in the bleachers. Um, you know, that one I think is probably my, my favorite opening day. It's really one of the first ones I can remember. What about you guys? What's the, the favorite opening day experience? Marty, you want to get us started with this one? Yeah, for me, my favorite opening day experience um, actually also involves Neil Walker, but it was in 2014 when the Pirates opened up at home against the Chicago Cubs at re, or PNC park and the game went into extra innings and in the bottom of the 10th with the game tied at nothing, Neil Walker hit a walk-off home run to start the game or to end the game, excuse me, in the bottom of the 10th inning. Um, I have been to a lot of home openers. I've been to a lot of season openers over the years, but that was probably the most exciting one. Um, you know, between the walk-off winner with Neil Walker in the 10th, it was in 2014. So it's when the pirates were competitive. So the ballpark was pretty packed pretty electric atmosphere. So uh, for me, of opening days, that's probably my personal favorite. Yeah. And, you know, Marty, me and you being at college together and best of friends through those years of uh, us finally winning, you know, we share that same memory of Neil Walker and just how much that meant seeing the Pirates continuing, you know, what they showed us the year before. And like you said, giving us hope. Yeah, no, awesome years, and really there's not a true bad memory of opening day because it's that first day you get baseball back. You're getting to open the presents and, you know, really get to see what you have that season. Call Moran's opening day was fun a few years yeah, ago. Yeah, I was one in the back of my head too. I, I thought about that one because I was at that game and it was his grand slam and it was the first uh, home opener where my oldest son went with my dad and I, but – the only reason I didn't pick it is because technically that was not opening day. They started in Detroit that year. That yeah, was that's like, why I wasn't sure either. That I, I come up that weekend. I, we were at Men's Warehouse getting fitted for tuxes for my oh. wedding. Because remember, and we came out and it was the same inning still. We came back, it was still on. Yeah, we, <laughs> yeah. we went to Men's Warehouse, got fitted, came back to the house, and the game was not over because it went like 16 innings or something crazy like that. Polanco, I think, wound up putting a game-winning home run, but. 
that that yeah. one will be up there as well because we just have a very interesting story that ties along with it. <laughs> that was a crazy opening year. I mean, they they swept Detroit to start the season, and they come home from Minnesota in that series. Just a, a great start to that season. Really great start to a lot of these seasons. Let's look at the past decade of opening days here of Pirates baseball. Uh, typo there in 2012. They lost to the Phillies. The score is right. They lost one to nothing there, but you know, really mixed results. They went on a little bit of a winning streak in the late 2000s on opening day. It's kind of, you know, this last half decade, been 500, um, you know, when uh, back against the Tigers, like we were just talking about, 13 to nothing in that crazy game. Um, last season, a, you know, heartbreaker there on opening day against the Cardinals. That that was, uh, you know, a, a very fortuitous beginning to the season, I think, because it kind of, you know, told signs of what was to come. Uh, but, you know, really just an excellent day. We're going to preview this matchup a little bit later on in the episode. Um, you know, continue to break down Cubs Pirates opening day 2021. Let's talk about the 2021 season a little bit more here. Let's start with the starting rotation. There's been, you know, all kinds of movement, guys. We've talked about it on different emergency episodes. When we're breaking down the team, whatever it is, there's been so much movement around the starting rotation this offseason. J-Mo's gone. Joe Musgrove is gone. Uh, they turned to Chad Cool here on opening day. You look at it, Mitch Keller, JT Brubaker, maybe Trevor Cahill, Tyler Anderson, a lot of names floating around. Um, let's talk about that fifth starting spot a little bit. Will Crow, this spring training, had a .77 ERA. He had nine Ks, threw in 11 innings, um, you know, really impressive stuff. We talked about it a ton in our group message. It's, it's going to be hard not to give this kid a chance. What are you guys' thoughts? Who deserves that fifth spot? Or I guess kind of how do you see them working this rotation at the beginning of the season? You know, to be honest with you, I wouldn't be shocked if we open the season and see a little bit of a six-man rotation um, with off days and whatnot. I don't think they truly need five starters until, like, April 25th or something. And, I mean, you see that a lot early in the season. Um, Trevor Cahill is going to start for them, but he's not totally stretched out yet. So I really wouldn't be surprised. Um, I mean, Derek Sheldon has already said Tyler Anderson will start Saturday and Mitch Keller on Sunday. Um, I'm assuming JT Brubaker will go on Monday against Cincinnati. And then the second game of that series, I think we might see Will Crow take the mound. Um, but I, I think you see them start the year with the idea of having six starting pitchers in Chad Cole, Tyler Anderson, Mitch Keller, JT Brubaker, Will Crow, and Trevor Cahill. And then as the season goes on, you know, one of them might move to the bullpen. There's going to be injuries. There's going to be guys who are going to struggle. But I, I would not be surprised at all if we see the Pirates start the season with a six-man starting rotation. Or, you know, maybe if they don't don't necessarily follow that to every six days or whatever it might be, I think you at least see six guys making starts to start the year before maybe you see a Brubaker, a Crow, a KO, whoever it might be, maybe transition to the bullpen. Yeah, it seems like uh, more teams in baseball are doing that. I know the Yankees uh, with Tyon and Kluber uh, for health reasons, they're going to use a six-man rotation to start the year also. So I'm I'm definitely open to it, especially cons- you know with having so many young arms in a rotation beyond just health, but giving those guys opportunities, um, giving them that extra day of prep in between. You know that's a big thing that I think this front office and this coaching staff will take advantage of. Also, is using that extra time in between starts to work with those guys to make sure they're you know hopefully doing and repeating the mechanics that they want them to do. And obviously if younger pitchers having that, you know, more time for them to do that is going to be, 
you know, just lead to all the more success. So I, I like the idea of a six man rotation. Like you said, Crow, he's earned it. Um, and so is Brew Baker. I know Brew Baker's overall ERA in spring wasn't pretty, but he was kind of just snake bin by the home run ball. But uh, you got to like his strikeout numbers and thinking back to last year, what he showed. They both deserve cracks in the rotation. And, you know, one thing I, th- I will say that I'm getting excited about is the fact that we cut Todd Frazier and Tony Walters. And that sounds crazy, actually. Okay, But I think that's the difference that we're seeing in this new regime versus the old regime. They decided that, you know what, let's keep Michael Perez. Let's keep you know, will crow in this, in this instance, but also let's keep, hopefully I'm saying, but let's keep, um, Philip Evans, you know, let's keep the guys who could be on this team in the future. Right. Rather than keep the veterans who we hope can trade if they work out, but instead they're giving guys like Fowler and Alford, um, those opportunities over those minor league veterans like Neil Huntington would have kept on the roster and kept the younger guys, you know, suppressed that triple A, which, you know, results in what we saw result the last few years. Yeah, it's just unnecessary. I mean, it doesn't get anything done when you try to, you know, maybe work these older guys and whatever. It's a youth movement. That's the the terminology we've heard these last couple of days. It, you know, they really went with the youth in a lot of these decisions. Um, you know, I think it really sets this team up for – the best future success this season is going to be what it is like last season. They're figuring things out. They're trying things next season. You know, when you've given those guys the opportunity and you kind of know what you have in them, you're going to be able to do a lot more. One guy we've been talking about a ton, um, you know, really since the time he was drafted, but the conversation shifted a little bit in the last maybe year or so Mitch Keller. Um, you know, I, I don't want to talk about him now, you know, like it's negative or anything else, but this season is very important for Mitch Keller. We've, you know, maybe made our remarks on, on what we think is going to happen or, or this or that, whatever, regardless what needs to happen. Mitch Keller has to have a successful season or, you know, th- this might be it for Mitch Keller. And, um, you know, the real hopes of him being that ace of him being the leader of this staff at some point, what are you guys thoughts on Mitch Keller is, you know, we sit here just a few hours from first pitch, um, you know, what does this season mean? I, I guess I, I know you guys can probably define it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, 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 Nick. I know you and I are very much on the same page. With Mitch Keller. We both I mean, wrote articles yeah, last week on this. It's 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 time to shit or get off the pot. Um, I uh, wrote a little bit that was on the site this morning about just you know kind of previewing the twenty twenty one season a little bit. And one thing I mentioned there with Keller, it's now or never for a lot of reasons. The biggest of which being there are a lot of highly touted starting pitching prospects ready to graduate. Um, Will Crow, you know, there's a good shot. We're going to see him in rotation start the year, like we said. If not, he's going to be far behind. We're going to see Miguel Yahoo Ross sooner than later. We're going to see Cody Bolton sooner rather than later. Um, the Pirates are going to give JT Brubaker every opportunity in the world off the way he pitched last year. And then you get on the other side of this season, and all of a sudden you're looking at your mm-hmm. guys like Ronzi Contreras and Quinn Priester and Brendan Malone and Tanaj Thomas, who are going to be around double A. Contreras might be a triple A. Just he's going to get passed up. I mean, the guy has is been as highly touted as any pitching prospect to come up with the Pirates since the cool tie-on combo. 
and just I he, obviously he has the stuff or else he never would have been so highly touted. But man, I know Nick, that's something you've talked about a lot and written about. His stuff just looks so flat. It's just I don't see the movement. I don't see it a lot. And you know, it's it's now or never for Mitch Keller. If he doesn't do it this year, I don't think he has a future in the starting rotation in Pittsburgh. Yeah, uh, and that's kind of what I wrote about last week. It's like you said, we've always heard that he has good stuff, but it's kind of like fake good stuff. You know, Archimedes, Kim, and Era used to throw 100 miles per hour, but we saw it get hit out just as fast. So with Keller, I, I'm not saying it's like him and Era. I definitely think he has, uh, you know, better potential than him. But yeah, for him to turn into that pitching prospect that they've been talking about, the spin rates on all of his pitches are basically league average, you know, and in today's game, like that second time through the lineup and especially the third, if you have a slider, that's not biting those hitters. They're looking for that pitch because they know that it's not biting now, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, they didn't understand that stuff as much, but now it's, Hey, we know this guy when he hangs a slider in the fourth inning and on, like that's when we want to be swinging type of thing, right? So that's kind of where I'm at. The other thing, though, that I just have never been able to wrap my head around with Mitch Keller is the command. For years, when he was in the lower minors, all we heard about was how that was he, literally he rated as one of the best pitching prospects for command in all the minor leagues one year. I can't remember. It was, you know, probably like 2016. But what happened to that? You know, even when we see him pitch somewhat successful, it's still like, you know, like the other day in spring training, he had four walks. Like, I mean, look at look at the end of the season last year when he didn't allow, if I remember correctly, he didn't allow a single hit. In either of his last yeah, two starts, yeah. but he walked in the two starts. I'm like ten innings. He walked with fifteen guys. Yeah, his walk rate last year was almost twenty percent. Like he, the controls just not. And then, you know, I understand two years ago the guy was hurt by literally the highest batting average in balls in play in baseball history. But you know, you can't say that 2019 you throw an ERA over seven out the window because of that but then tell me that in 2020 you can look at his era under three was batting average and balls and play was 107 like that that's 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 remarkable that, that, that's unsustainable you're set up to explode like keller he's got to figure something out because if he pitches the way he's pitched the last two years he will be out of this starting rotation if not before the end of the season then during the offseason he will get passed up by the guys who are coming behind him and Marty, I agree. And that's that's kind of what I was saying earlier about what I'm seeing this front office do, what I meant by them, you know, cutting Frazier and Walters and sending Goodwin down. Like this, this front office is showing they're not playing around. They're not going to wait. They're going to give the next person that opportunity because they, they feel confident that they have those next, those mm-hmm. next pieces now, you know what I mean? They're not yeah, it's good to see, like, especially they the don't need Mitch Keller because they got, yeah. they got Brendan Malone. They exactly. got like, you know, before it's like, we've been relying on Tyler glass now Yep. before that Jamison Tyon before yep. that Garrett Cole, like, and it, if one of those guys see. miss boom. Yeah. And, and just look at those three of those three. I mean, with JMO is totally different because of all the injuries and everything. When he was healthy, he was excellent. 
But the only one of those three who truly hit with the Pirates was Garrett Cole. And look what happened to three years they had prime Garrett Cole. He anchored the rotation, took him to the postseason. You know, when they needed Glass now to work out, he didn't. And they suffered. They needed Tyone to work out, and he couldn't stay healthy. And they suffered from it. This farm system is so much deeper now than it. This is the deepest it's been since, you know, 13 to 14 when they built those runs for those three years in the postseason. And like you said, Nick, because of that, you don't necessarily have to have Mitch Keller pan out because you have a lot of options behind him now. Which sounds a little crazy. I mean, think about a kid that at one point, you know, was the prospect in this organization. A kid that we were all so excited to see. And, you know, when you when you think about a guy like that, a prospect like that coming up, you usually, you know, see the confidence immediately, or at least, you know, some version of that. Like Brian Hayes, for example, comes up disciplined, confident, you know, not every prospect's going to come up and show that kind of, you know, energy immediately, but there's never been really any confidence for Mitch Keller. I think our friend Mike McHenry, who, uh, you know, is probably preparing for a game right now, would tell us that that's, that's the most important thing. Mitch Keller hasn't figured it out yet. He's going to have to this season, or it's probably going to be the door for Mr. Keller. Let's, let's take a look at the staff here. Uh, really loose is, you know, kind of the state of the, the Pirates pitching staff right now. You're looking at Chad Cool here. He's going to be our opening day starter. Like we've been talking about, Mitch Keller will be in this rotation. Tyler Anderson, Stephen Brault's hurt right now. He'll probably come back, maybe get some starts, maybe work out of the bullpen. Um, you know, here, here's a look at that. I wonder, gentlemen, I guess, how long they go with this, this six-man rotation if they decide to do that. Do you think that they – kind of like last season, you know, change things up on a day-to-day basis? Or are we going to kind of see them maybe stick a little bit more consistency in in the rotation, even in the lineup this year? That is interesting because, like you said, it brought hurt, you know, and already pushing towards a six-man. That That's definitely going to be difficult to balance that roster uh, when he comes back. So I, I don't envision that this is something they'll do long term. I think it's going to be more of an almost like an extended spring training look for some of these, you know, like Crow and Brewbaker, um, and even probably Anderson to an extent uh, to see, you know, how they pitch and which one of them will eventually earn when, like you said, when that schedule starts to kind of really set in and you really need that five five day rotation, but. They also are predicted to, you know, finish last in the National League Central. So, uh, when you predict to finish last in the worst division of baseball, there's nothing wrong with trying it. <laughs> yeah, I, I do wonder too with the rotation. Have they signed Trevor Cahill? You know, ten days earlier or something like that, and he had more time to get stretched out. Do they even go the six man rotation then to start the year? Because I do think that's a big factor of it. Is they want Cahill to start, but he's not ready yet. Um, but, yeah, I'm with you, Nick. I'll be curious to see how it works out. I, I do think that by the time Stephen Brault's back, because you're probably looking at you know, maybe Memorial Day, best-case scenario, to get Brault back. By then, guys are going to be hurt. Guys are going right. to struggle. Yeah, you know, so so yeah. I, I do think that it'll eventually work its way back down to five, probably sometime by the end of April. And it's going to depend on – I don't want to say it's going to depend on who's pitching best – I think you could see Mitch Keller come out and get shelled in his first three or four starts, and they're going to ride him out because they need to see what it is. I think JT Brubaker is probably in a similar boat where he could struggle and keep a rotation spot for a while just because they want to see what they got in the kid. But, yeah, I I think eventually the rotation will work its way down to five men if it does start a six-man rotation. And the thing to watch there, too, is, yes, the Pirates are playing for the future and they're rebuilding, and this is something that's in my article that released this morning – 
part of playing for the future, part of rebuilding is what you're able to do in July at the trade deadline. And for the Pirates, if you can get Cahill or you can get Tyler Anderson to come out and pitch well the first two months of the year, especially Anderson as a lefty, and then Cahill's ability to pitch in a bunch of different roles, you could be sitting on a you know a couple of nice little trade chips there in July, which is important for playing for the future rebuilding because you can just continue to add young talent to the farm system. And that was kind of my point with Anderson when I said about him kind of battling for this is if he doesn't pitch well, they might not want to hang on to him as a starter too long. They might want to try to move him into the bullpen and build up some value that way for him. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I'm definitely right there with you, Marty. You got to have that balance. You got to look at a couple of these guys and let them play, and hopefully you are able to flip them for something. But over the course of this season, kind of like we saw last year, we're going to slowly see – you know, more of the younger guys play more, start to get caught up. Like you said, Cody Bolton, we can expect to see him this year. Yeah. You know, when you're, when you're projected to finish last in more division of baseball, you get a little bit of room to experiment. So we'll see how they decide to use that room. Um, but, you know, it's a process of getting it figured out. A lot of positions on this team right now are going to be kind of figuring out what is best. Let's move it along to the outfield here. One of our good buddies, Anthony Alford, has worked his tail off this spring training to earn a spot. Uh, you know, great news to see that that come through this week. Um, you know, we kind of talk about this outfield. Let's start with center field. The mix, the mix match of Fowler and, and Alford. How do you guys see this playing out? Who's going to get more reps? You know, I assume Alford will be making the opening day start later on. Um, you know, how do we see that that battle play out throughout the season? It's going to be an interesting one to watch. And again, this is an area where it's great to see the Pirates. I mean, not that Anthony Alford and Dustin Fowler are super young or new to the league or anything, but they don't have a lot of MLB experience in their belts. So you can still kind of classify them as the prospects here. It's nice to see them go with those guys. I mean, Brian Goodwin's a good hitter. He's a slightly above average hitter for his career, but you know what Brian Goodwin is. Anthony Alford and Dustin Fowler were both recently top 100 prospects. They're both guys who have kind of fallen from that, but at the same time, neither of them have ever been given an extended look at the major league level. So I'm very excited to see what each of those guys can do. I mean, last September, the Pirates looked ready to give Alford a look. In those five or six games he played before he dislocated his elbow, he looked solid out there. He was hitting for power. He was playing very good defense. He was a tear on the bases. And, you know, I, I think he and he and Fowler both are guys I'll be excited to see what they can do this year. And I wouldn't be stunned to see one of them kind of play their way into maybe not a long-term role with the Pirates, but at least in the short term, you know, next two, three years, help bridge the gap to your Travis Swaggerty's, your Hudson Heads, you know, Kanan Smith and Jigba's, guys like that. Yeah, I, I'm very excited about the um... – opportunity of both of them like i've been saying sending goodwin down shows this front office is serious about just trying to get the the young players up here now you know give these guys the opportunity because this is our future so fowler alford i think alford being um here longer and just like you said what he did last year and uh solid spring he should get the bulk of the reps in center field. I think Fowler, they're going to utilize a little more, um, you know, off the bench as that lefty power bat. So as a pinch hitter, maybe late in games, defensive replacement for Gregory Polanco, maybe, um, you know, that's, that's kind of where I'm at, but I think he's also going to get extended looks. You know, we know with Polanco's health, 
Um, we could see a nice steady rotation at the beginning of the year here, just to keep everyone fresh. Alfred, obviously having the, the arm issue, you know, not that it really seemed to hinder him, you know, during the games, but I'm sure in terms of the pirates front office, that's something they're going to be monitoring and making sure that they're not pushing his arm too much. So yeah, I, I'm uh, very excited. Like you said, Marty Fowler, he was the the big piece of the Sonny Gray trade from Oakland to the Yankees a couple of years ago. He just had kind of an unfortunate run there. He got caught up by the Yankees, suffered that. What was it? He, uh, it was, oh, it was his patellar tendon. Okay. It? It's his patellar. Yeah. Tendon. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, obviously pretty major surgery. Then you get traded across the country. Um, and basically Oakland, you know, was one of those teams, they trade Sonny Gray. Then the very next year they find themselves right in the, in the AL West race. So like you said, Fowler was never really given that opportunity out in Oakland. He kind of was busy spending time rehabbing and getting back to it, had a strong triple A season, but you know, like I said, with Oakland trying to compete, uh, they kind of had their pieces in place already. And the same can be said for Alfred and, Toronto, just a stacked farm system up there. A lot of young pieces uh, that kind of just passed up Alfred. Not so much that, you know, he didn't earn it, but, you know, we see that with players and other um, organizations all the time. Eric Gonzalez and Francisco Lindor, right? Gonzalez was the future shortstop and Lindor shows up and blows right by him in the farm system. So it happens. Hopefully, one of these two, like you said, Marty, can really establish themselves, if not both. I think one thing with Fowler, too, and I know, Nick, this is something you and I talked about and the Pirates acquired him. One thing to keep in mind with him is, you know, yes, he was designated for assignment by Oakland, but on a lot of teams, Fowler probably would have been kept around and made the opening day roster as a fourth outfielder at least. But Oakland, you know, with Ramon Lariano, Chad Pinder, Tony Kemp, Mark Conha, Stephen Piscotty, like there's no so room many pieces. And the yeah. way they operate with mixing and matching, yeah. like, like it's you for a young guy to get comfortable with that. Yeah. They like have to have certain types of players. It's like, and they that that's why it's important they produce their own um yeah. prospects a lot because they they develop them in these like platoon ways basically and if if you can't platoon and play at least six positions you're not going to cut it for you <laughs> exactly exactly oh man yeah we'll take them all here in pittsburgh really going to be cool to see these two guys get their chance um you know fowler and alfred there it's gonna be great to see the rest of this outfield as well gregory polanco wouldn't be a special if we didn't talk about gregory polanco That's right. uh, you know what are you guys thoughts here face, people no do not this is the year this is the year one of these years, I'm going to say that, and it's going to happen. This is the year. <laughs> I mean, this have could, you this seen this well. swing? It's like, it's like Griffey. It's like Griffey. Uh, <laughs> well, what, what year is this, like 2014? The, the walking tool shed. Oh, baby. Oh, yeah. It's it's really – it's it's been so frustrating as, you know, a Gregory Polanco fan. I know you gentlemen both uh, love Gregory Polanco as well, but it's been tough these last few seasons. I think this is the yeah. year. Hopefully this is a year. We're not going to put that out there, though. Knock on some wood. We'll see what what the deal is. Brian Reynolds heading back to left field. It's going to be great to see him get a you know full season, one that's not all messed up. Last year was a weird year. People look at those numbers, maybe think a certain way. 
this is uh, going to be a true Brian Reynolds we'll get to see again this year. Really excited to see how this shakes out. Um, you Can know, I say something about Reynolds? First off, he had a strong spring, which was you know good to see. But really, you said it right last year. The this shortened season obviously messed with some players more than others. But I think about a guy like Brian Reynolds and just from his personality that we see through his interviews, he is a very like scripted guy. Like he is very by the book and chances are he's very routine based. And, you know, when you see something like that, throw off your major league baseball, your second major league baseball season after you've been, you know, training your whole life to play and get to opening day uh, with a big league team one day, you know, a routine based guy. I'm just saying, you know, the different season may have had a more of an effect on him than just a matter of not getting enough reps. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I mean, that's, you know, a lot of guys, everybody in some way or another was affected by COVID and just the weird season, the 60 game year. There were so many opt outs, everything else. Reynolds stuck it out, and you could tell he was really one of the guys that, that was affected by this. Um, it's going to be so great to see him come back, get a full season, get a return to that Brian Reynolds form that we are used to. That's the outfield. We've covered that, the starting pitching in this loaded opening day special episode. Let's move it along to the infield now. Another crazy position battle as it looks like we've lost Nick uh, due to some technical difficulties here in the last few minutes. We'll We'll try to get him back on. Um, as we continue throughout this episode. But, Marty, I'll, I'll address it to you here. Um, you know, this infield battle was was an intense one, but Kevin Newton made it really easy on this front office. He hit 606 in spring training. Incredible numbers, just, you know, jaw-dropping stuff. But we've also seen a different Kevin Newman. We've seen a few different versions of him. He earns the spot, uh, starting uh, shortstop position, at least for now. Eric Gonzalez will be backing him up. So about this middle infield. How do you see this kind of evolving? Adam Frazier is still around. He had an excellent spring. Somehow Adam Frazier is still on this team. Uh, you know, we'll see Eric Gonzalez come off the bench. His bat is hot as well. Um, you know, what, what do they do? How do they work everybody in here? What do you expect, um, you know, from this middle infield in 2021? Yeah, I think the middle infield is going to be another position where, you know, as odd as it sounds with incumbent starters back, it's going to be a lot about figuring out the future. Um figuring out what you have rolling forward. I mean, I know we continue to say this, but Adam Frazier will eventually be traded. I promise you, he's going to eventually be traded. He is not part of the long-term future here. Um, if he continues to hit the way he did in spring training to kind of prove that last year's offensive struggles were a bit of an anomaly, combined with his defense at second and the fact that he can play all over the field, he will be a hot commodity this year at trade time. He will be moved. So at that point, that kind of leaves Kevin Newman as a bit of a linchpin there. Um, I think with Newman, if you get the 2019 Kevin Newman who competed for rookie of the year, he's going to, at least for the next few years, be part of this team in some fashion as a starter, rather it's a second or short, excuse me. (coughs) Oh, excuse me. But if you get the Kevin Newman of last year, the Kevin Newman of 2018, the Kevin Newman that we saw in the minor leagues in 2017, a lot of 2016, that is struggling to hit, then he's probably plays himself into maybe utility role moving forward. So I think the biggest thing with the middle infield this year is going to be what happens with Kevin Newman. Does he come out and produce the way he did in 2019 again? Because if so, 
He probably just sticks it short for now. Maybe slides a second if you move Frazier with Gonzalez there with the glove. And, you know, whenever Nick Gonzalez or Levaro Paguero get here, if Newman's still around hitting the ball, you can move guys around then. But the, the biggest thing, again, for the middle infield for me this year is what is the future of Kevin Newman? I think that question gets answered this season depending on how he hits. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. And I've always been pretty high on Kevin Newman. I think that 2019 Kevin Newman is more of the Kevin Newman that we're going to get used to here. Uh, but he's going to have to earn it. That's that's what was so fun about this spring training, the outfield, the infield, the rotation to an extent, the bullpen. There was competition everywhere. And with a team like the Pirates, there's going to be you know a lot of opportunity for guys to get their chances. We'll see how the middle shakes out there. Have to while we're, while we're on it. This is the opening day special. We got to talk about the guy that, uh, you know, is going to be the centerpiece of this team. Cabrian Hayes, you know, the hype was there last year. It was building. It was building. We were anticipating. He came up, looked dominant, you know, far and away the best player uh, on the team for that, that last stretch of the season there and turned it around and, and had incredible numbers in spring training as well, led Major League Baseball and batting average. Um, you know, there, there's so many things you could say about Cabrian Hayes as we get set for 2021 talk about his, you know, the things he's going to do with the plate in the field. What gets you most excited about Cabrian Hayes? I know you were maybe the first person on his bandwagon, uh, you know, as he gets set now for his first full season. For me, honestly, the most exciting thing about Key Brian Hayes, and this is not a knock on Josh Bell, it's not a knock on Starling Marte. For the first time since Andrew McCutcheon left, the Pirates have a face of the franchise again. They have a young, exciting player who can do it on offense, can do it on defense. He has that personality that, you know, you can see him with endorsement deals on commercials. And, you know, I think with Major League Baseball, if the Pirates get to be even com somewhat competitive, maybe even sooner because it happens sooner with McCutcheon, you're going to see Major League Baseball start to really promote this guy because he's got that personality. He's going to make the dazzling defensive plays. He's going to hit the cover off the ball. Uh, to me, that's what excites me most about Key Brian Hayes. It's just nice to know you have that face of the franchise. You have that centerpiece that you can now build around, that you can look in two, three years down the road to be a contending club with Hayes as your centerpiece, just as Andrew McCutcheon was when this team made the postseason three years in a row back in 13 through 15. You know, McCutcheon came up in 2009. They struggled for a few years. You saw them start to get competitive in 2011 and 2012. And by 2013, McCutcheon at the centerpiece of it, they took off and ran. And I think that's what the Pirates are going to look to do with Key Brian Hayes moving forward. And I just, it's going to be fun to watch. It's going to be exciting to watch. And, you know, I think right now, just about every sports book in the country has Key Brian Hayes as the odds on favorite to win the National League Rookie of the Year. And I certainly am not going to be surprised at all if that comes to fruition and he joins Jason Bay as just the second pirate to ever be named National League Rookie of the Year. Yeah. No, I think it's it's all there. I mean, this dude is it. And, you know, we're not saying he's Andrew McCutcheon or he's going to be Andrew McCutcheon or anything else, but that's that same exact feeling that, you know, we, we had when Andrew McCutcheon was coming up when he made his debut and, you know, really started with that team back in 2010, 2011. Uh, you know, we're not too worried about Cabrian Hayes. There's going to be a little bit of um, – you know, not a battle, but it's going to be fun to watch first base play out a little bit more. Philip Evans gets the call. It's not Todd Frazier. He will not be the platoon partner. Um, you know, at first I was a little surprised by this, but the more you think about it, I mean, this decision makes all the sense in the world. Philip Evans, and, you know, you're the conductor of the hype train here, Marty, so you can, <laughs> you can elaborate on a little bit more, but Philip Evans does it all right, and he's young. This is another kid that they can really kind of explore a little bit and see what they have. Todd Frazier, 
you know what you're getting at this point. He decided to opt out after not making the roster. He has rejoined the team, couldn't sign anywhere as a free agent. So he will still be with the organization. He's going to join one of the alternate sites. Philip Evans will be in Pittsburgh. He gets the call. Let's talk about this first base a little bit more. Maybe what you expect out of Colin Moran this season and, and really what we're going to get out of the backup there in Philip Evans. Yeah, you know, I was with you, Trey. I was a little surprised at first when Frazier did not make the club. But, you know, like, see, you think about it, it kind of makes sense, especially if you're only going to have that four-man four man bench to start the season. The the ability for Evans to play basically every position except for catcher and shortstop played in his favor big time. And, you know, last year he was awesome at the plate. He was earning everyday starting time until he got injured in that play with Gregory Planko. And um, I think you're going to see him – Maybe not a straight platoon with Moran to start the year, but against tougher lefties, definitely get the start. I also think you're going to see him play some right field against lefties. I think if there's lefty on the mound, Evans will be in the lineup. Um, just maybe not all at first base. I do think the Pirates also are going to be willing to give Moran a little bit of a look against lefties this year. His career numbers against lefties aren't great, but they're not horrible. They're, they're serviceable. If you can hit for power against right-handed pitching – the way Moran did last year, you'll take his career numbers against lefties. Um, I'm very curious to see what Colin Moran does. I think that's kind of a under the radar storyline for this season is to watch Moran. Cause let's say if Moran comes out and produces again, like he did last year, you don't have a whole lot in the pipeline at first base. Do you maybe look to give Moran a two or three year extension, keep him around for the short term to play first base, or do you maybe look to capitalize on potentially a higher trade value and move him as well? So I'll be very curious to see what happens, but I do think we uh, will get some questions answered at first base this year. I keep saying this. It's about the futures by answering questions this season. I think you get the question of what's Colin Moran's future to this team answered this season, and I think you're going to see a lot of Philip Evans in there as well. And I do think with Evans, if he can come out, he's not going to hit the way he did last year over the course of a full season. I think – when, when he got hurt and his season came to an end, he was hitting like 360 and slugging like 530. Like, you're not going to do that over 162-game season. But if he can do anything even remotely close to what he did last year, he probably solidifies himself as a key piece of this bench moving forward. Yeah, it's perfect. I mean, he can be that super utility guy. Great point, too, with Colin Moran. I mean, there isn't that pipeline at first base in this organization. So this season's going to be huge for him. Going to try a lot of different things, but it's also going to be cutthroat for a lot of different players as well. Um, you know, it's it's really it's this is this is here now. We're we're getting to finally see it come to fruition. Cubs Pirates one twenty Central Time. This offseason was quick. I'm not going to lie. This one, um, you know, a little bit a little bit faster than the others with everything going on and everything else. But opening day is is on us now. Let's preview this matchup. Let's start with the the pitching duel here. It's going to be Kyle Hendricks versus Chad Cool. Hendricks is you know. He, the ace of this team. He's one of the best pieces still around in Chicago. He's going to look to lead them again this year. Chad Cool is making his first ever opening day start. So we take a look at the career numbers here. He's made 48 career starts. He's 20 and 23 overall, 436 career RA. Uh, you know, solid strikeout numbers there. But this is a this is a new frontier for Mr. Cool here. What do you expect in his opening day debut? Well, first off, I got to say, you know, Mr. Central Time over here, that will be 220 for those of us in the East. I'm sure there's people sitting there racking their heads and scratching their brains right now. Central Time, I got to look out for the people going to the game now, Marty. Yeah, okay, fair enough. But um, no, with Chad Cole, I'm excited to see what he can do. He's a guy I've always really liked his potential. Um, He's got that power fastball, which is crazy. It sounds is actually his worst pitch. Um, What's best for Cole 
is to focus on his off-speed pitches, his slider and his curveball. Both have always had the potential to be borderline elite pitches at the major league level. Um, the fastball has always given him problems. Opposing hitters have always squared it up pretty well, despite the power aspect of it. But if he can command that, throw it for strikes, um, control was one thing that got Cole in trouble last year. I, I'm excited to see what he can do. This is his first full season. This is crazy to say anything about. This is his first full major league season since 2017. Because 18, he got hurt. He missed all of 19 with Tommy John. Last year, with all the COVID stuff, he has not pitched a full season since 2017. So I'm sure the Pirates are going to be conservative with him at times this year with his workload, which again kind of plays into that six-man rotation we talked about earlier because you have a guy like Cole who hasn't had a full season in four years. Nobody had a full season last year. But I'll be very excited to see what Chad Cole can do, and hopefully he can come out and give the Pirates five or six strong this afternoon and help get the season started on the right foot. Yeah, I definitely want to want to get it started out the right way. You're not going to win all 162. Not projected to win more than you lose this year, uh, but you know you want to get it started off right in Chicago. Let's pick a storyline that maybe is flying under the radar a little bit. What's one thing to look out for today that not everybody's talking about? I think one thing that will be very interesting to watch today, especially if the Pirates have a lead, so you get to the fifth, sixth inning, what Derek Shelton does with the bullpen. Um, our loyal listeners from last season know I was extremely critical of Derek Shelton and the way he managed his bullpen. Um, this year they have some solid options down there. Rich Rod, Chris Stratton, David Bernard just was blowing people away in spring training. Um, Kyle Crick, the fastball velocity is not back, but his slider looks really good. And all of a sudden he looks like he might find some of his old form. Michael Feliz has always had a ton of potential. You know, I'm really excited about Dwayne Underwood Jr., Luis Oviedo is a guy who, assuming he cracks this roster's role five guy, former top 10 prospect for the Indians. There's a lot of really talented, intriguing arms down there. And he said that he's not going to necessarily have a designated closer going into the season, which I'm fine with. I am a very anti-closer guy. I am very much a, if it's the seventh inning and there's two on and one out, get me my best reliever now, because this is probably where the game's on the line. Get me out of this fire. So I'll just be curious to see, Let's say Cole gets into a jam with two on, two outs in the sixth inning and the Pirates up by run. And who does he go to? You know, if it's a lefty, I'm assuming to be Sam Howard, but let's say it's a righty. Does he go to Bednar there? Does he go to Stratton, who's done that in the past? Um, you know, let's say the Pirates take the lead into the seventh, eighth, ninth inning. What order of Crick, Bednar, Stratton, Richrod, how does he do this? I'm just going to be curious to see how the bullpen shakes out this year from that point, especially with a guy like Rich Rod, a guy like Chris Stratton, who, you know, they have very quietly been very good relievers the past few seasons. They can do that again this year. Again, come July, teams are desperate for bullpen help. You could be setting on some pretty decent arms trade value-wise because they have years of control. They'd have experience pitching in high leverage. So I'm just going to be very interested to see what, how Derek Shelton's going to mix and match the bullpen this year, especially when he's trying to protect leads. Yeah, yeah really all those guys you just mentioned, I mean – Look at, at the end of last season, really looked good in spring training. I know it's spring training, but a lot of progress was made in this bullpen throughout the spring. It's going to be fun to watch this year. I like that one. We'll give Derek Shelton some slack this year. We'll let him do his thing, take his time. But uh, definitely. Del Pozo is not here to come and pitch. That's all that matters. We cannot possibly <laughs> go Del Pozo anymore. Exactly. At the end of the day, that is all that matters. But uh, we have faith. We have faith, Derek, Ben Sherrington, everybody in this front office. You know, this is – 
this is uh, an organization that's heading in the right direction. It's undeniable at this point, the way that the farm system is continuing to move up, just the things that they're doing really, you know, is a, is a good sign for the future, for what's to come here in Pittsburgh. Uh, but for 2021, you know, there are those projections out there. Nobody has the Pirates finishing anything other than last in the NL Central this year. And that, you know, that's probably fair looking at the roster and everything else. It is the worst division in baseball, but the Pirates very well could be the 30th team yet again this season. But at the same time, there's so much young talent. This team could turn it around. If they play like they, they do at the end of, um, you know, at the end of last season, this team could really find themselves somewhere in maybe the 60, upper 60s, lower 70s win total mark. So, you know, we'll see how this plays out here. But, um, you know, always fun to to get to this point, to get to opening day and, and unwrap the presents a little bit. Baseball is not one of those sports where you really pick scores very often uh, on a broadcast or a podcast in this sense. But let's do it for this day, for this game. It's opening day. Let's let's give our score projections. I'll get it started here, Marty. Um, I got the Pirates winning this one. I don't know. It's opening day. They, they play well in Wrigley on opening day. Magic's in the air. I got I got the Buccos pulling this one out three to two. What do you got? Yeah, I'll go with them too. It's opening day. <laughs> You know, hope springs eternal, all that good stuff. Um, I'll say four to two. Cool goes six strong. And the winning run comes when my man, Gregory Planco, launches a two-run home run in the late innings with the game tied to make it four to two. So that's my prediction. Take it to the bank. And whenever the Pirates lose seven to nothing and Polanco's over fourth, four Ks, I know everyone will come and yell at me. I was gonna say, yeah, after Kyle Hendricks says a no-hitter tomorrow. Don't don't come tweet yeah. at us or else. We're hopeful for right now. Blowing, they'll, they'll be They'll be bad enough. We don't need any extra. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll hear about it um, in one way or another. But no, this team, this team has a lot of potential this season. It's just going to be so fun to watch again this year. Like last year, guys get their chance, get their opportunity, see how they take advantage of it. We're going to return, recap this opening series, this opening week on the other side of the weekend. Until next time, guys, go check out the website as always. So much content out right now. Articles previewing this opening day, different position spots things are kind of going to shake out here as we get into the season and so much more you can find our podcast on apple music spotify wherever you guys get your podcast omni.com slash rum bunter and hit us up on our social media at rum bunter on twitter for marty leap and nick caparoso my name is trey anity it's opening day everybody go enjoy some baseball let's go bucks This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. 
It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.